Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Well, good morning, Mission Red Bank. As Al said, my name is Chris, and um, and I can't make this stand work. Let's see. Uh, well, ta-da! <laughs> Let's use this stand. All right. Yes, Lord. Well, and that, that really helps because the last thing I'd want you to think is that, that, that I have some sort of um, special knowledge or gift or something. And actually, that's kind of what this passage is about. Um, I, am, I am honored to open up God's word with you. And I want you to know that um, some of you I don't know. Some of you I don't know personally, but I know that I love you. I pray for you regularly. I love your your staff, your, your pastors. I love Al. He and I speak so often and, and sort of roll ideas off of one another. Uh, and I definitely do love that guy, Tim, who plays yeah. drums. We've been in ministry together for 17 years now, dating back to seven years in New England before moving down here to plant this church. So it is good to be with you. And um, when I saw the passage that I was scheduled to preach this week, you know, this passage wasn't just chosen willy-nilly. It's out of this thing called the lectionary which are the readings set aside for the church calendar for the year. And as I looked at the lectionary, um, I came to the Red Bank preaching team meeting. I don't know if you know about that meeting, but your pastors gather together weekly, and they study the scripture together. And it's out of their collective wisdom that they preach. It's not just Al up here preaching. He's preaching with the collective voice of all of your pastors. So iron sharpens iron. So it's not just one guy's opinion, right? And so I came to the Red Bank preaching team this week, and the first thing out of my mouth was basically like, uh, this is a very strange passage for me to come in here and preach. And uh, specifically, it's strange because I am, um, is that you, Aaron? This is one of my closest friends, Aaron. That's Aaron. He, he came, what, six months in? Four months in. He helped plant the mission, too. That guy back there. Um, Anyway, he just moved back to town. I'm sorry to embarrass you, man. I love you. Uh, so anyway, there I was, and I said, this is a strange passage for me to preach, because in this passage, uh, Paul's really angry at this church. He's like really angry at this church, and, and I want to assure you, this isn't some sort of passive-aggressive thing I'm doing here. <laughs> like, I didn't choose this passage because I have a, 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 you know, a, an axe to grind with you, and not only that, um, specifically, the problem in this church is that they have tribalism going on, and they're not getting along very well. There's division in the church. And as I asked your pastors, we, uh, you know, I said, well, man, this isn't what I'm experiencing at Mission Red Bank. Every time I come here, the, the worship here is just so sweet and beautiful, and I leave feeling just so full of the Holy Spirit every time I come. I said, this is a, this doesn't, I don't know how this passage applies to this Mission Red Bank. And... Um, and they assured me as well, you know, yeah, we don't really have tribalism going on, or at least we can't really identify it here. And yet, at the same time, this passage is in our Bible, right? And we know that 
all of Scripture is worthy to study and to read. And, and I wonder if, if we could study this Scripture today and, and use it as sort of a navigational tool, right? A tool uh, that would sort of keep us heading in the right heading, keep us heading in the right direction, and help us guard from the potential of tribalism and division that could come into a body of Christ. That happens far too often. So even if this isn't something that feels very acute right here for us right now, it feels like it's something that we ought to look at so that we can guard against it. Will you pray with me, and then we'll jump in. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts would be holy and pleasing to you. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Well, brothers and sisters... The passage begins, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Instead, you are still not ready. So the passage begins with a diagnosis. The church in Corinth is categorized by being made up of worldly or fleshly people, people who are not spiritual and it's important to know what Paul means when he says this word spiritual, because in our culture and in our day and age, this word spiritual is taking on all sorts of different meanings, right? You know, nowadays a song can be called spiritual, a support group can be called spiritual, even exercise might be called spiritual, right? In fact, this word spiritual has become so broad that even self-reflection can be called spiritual, right? Or even eating ice cream could be called a spiritual experience, right? So th- this word spiritual has sort of lost its saltiness. I know that Pastor Al preached on saltiness last week, right? But this, pa- this, this word spiritual has sort of lost its original intent. So when, when the Apostle Paul says this word spiritual, he means something very specific, and he goes into it in chapters 1 and 2, which I encourage you to go back and look at one, chapters 1 and 2 this week. But here's what he means by spiritual. He describes being spiritual as communicating through the Holy Spirit to the mind with the mind of Christ. That's his whole definition of spiritual. It's, it's no broader than that. It's very specific. To be spiritual, according to the Apostle Paul, is to communicate through the Holy Spirit to the mind of Christ, the risen Christ, right? The risen Christ. So spirituality then, according to Paul, is all about connection. It's all about connection. It's about connecting with God. The Holy Spirit, in his way of thinking, is sort of the conduit of that connection. And what are we connecting to? Well, we adore the Father, but we connect to the mind of Christ. And what Paul is saying is that the Corinthian church hasn't yet sort of plugged in the wire for this connection. Instead of nurturing their own spiritual lives, the people there are looking to depend on their leader's connection to the mind of Christ. He says they're like sort of stunted infants. Actually, um, if I were to translate this, I would probably translate it 
and Jesse, you can correct me um, if you need to afterwards. Um, <laughs> but if I were to translate this, I might translate it as Paul is saying that they're overgrown babies. They've been babies too long. And they should have matured by now. They're still looking to others to give them spiritual sustenance when what they really need is meat. It's important to note that Paul acknowledges that new followers of Christ and even new communities of Christ, new churches, do rely heavily on mature Christians' connections to the mind of Christ. He acknowledges that. But he's saying that as the community matures, that direct connection between the community and the mind of Christ needs to be firmly established, more and more so, ever-increasing ways. So then he goes on to write in verse 3, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So what does he mean by worldly here? Well, it is the way that he characterizes a person or a community that is not spiritual, not connecting with the source, the mind of Christ. And the symptoms of this worldliness can be found in traits like jealousy and quarreling or strife. Do you follow Paul's thinking here? If a, if a community is tapped in to the mind of Christ, then becomes more than merely mortal. It becomes more than merely mortal. It actually has a divine mind that's guiding it. Right? It's pretty cool. A community like that is able to be motivated and inspired by divine ideals rather than just on base human emotions and reactions and fears. Right? And so... He's not, and, and it's important to note that he's not just calling each individual to a spiritual life. He's calling all of them collectively into a spiritual life. Thanks, Anne. This is Anne's, uh, Anne's contribution, big time. She loves to talk about how most of the yous, when you see the word you in the New Testament, it's really better translated as y'all almost every time. He's talking to y'all, and he's saying, not only is it important to individuals be connected to the mind of Christ, but as a community that we're connected to the mind of Christ. And in fact, I, I think it's, it's perfectly, um, I think it's, I, I would guess that there are individuals in this church that are connected to the mind of Christ in the church in Corinth. There are individuals, but the truth is, because we're bound together as a community, if some of us aren't, division can come into the picture. Because we're not of one mind. We're not, we're not functioning out of the same divine ethics and emotions. And so the difficulty, the difficult thing is that we're all bound to, as we're all bound together, unspiritual people can disrupt the whole. Unspiritual people can disrupt the whole. Um, they can become, they, they often you think about base human emotions, people often measure themselves against one another. It's like an, what we'd call human nature, right? We measure ourselves against one another, and we become envious. We become jealous. We become quarrelsome. 
Pastor Chuck Smith writes about it this way. Strife is the fruit of envy. If you are envious, you will soon be engaged in strife. It is the mark of carnality. It is a part of the flesh life. Have you noticed that there are some people who are just never pleased? It's always worth, like, when you hear something, have you noticed some people are just never pleased? It is important to pause there and go, am I one of those people? Right? They always are striving over some issue that is bothering them. And this is what Paul is calling just the base state of being merely human. Um, one of my mentors, Pastor Neely, who was the senior pastor of the church that we were a part of, Tim and I, and actually Aaron, others were a part of up north. She, um, you know, she was the senior pastor, and when you're the senior pastor, you have a lot of lovely meetings, but you also have meetings where the person comes in with every thought about what's wrong in the church. That's a big, <laughs> it's actually a lot of the meetings you have as a senior pastor. Um, and and, and uh, it's funny because almost every time you have one of these meetings, the person who's talking to you um, thinks that it's the only meeting you had like this in like six months. So like, I know this is really odd. You're like, no, I've, I've had like six of these this week. Actually. Um, but what happens, uh, they would meet with Neely and they would sometimes she would notice their emotions are getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Getting more and more and more and more upset. And she began to realize that the presenting problems that they were telling her, you know, like, I really hated that worship song. It made me so angry, right? <laughs> she would go, um, she was such, so, such a beautiful pastor, and she'd say, oh, honey, what's really going on? Because what she was noticing was that there was a spiritual, a spiritual problem that was at the root of things. It wasn't the presenting things, the laundry list of what they wanted to see different in the church. Truth is, the church can always do things very differently. I mean, not only, not only has this church made 100 mistakes this week. I mean, we've made thousands of the churches, thousands of mistakes all across the Abbey in the, in the last 10 years. So almost anything you were to tell me that we'd have done wrong, I would be like, yes, that's true. We have done it wrong, right? Um, but if we're of one mind, it doesn't bring discord, right? If we're in what, what, what mind? If we're one mind, what mind? The mind of Christ, right? Oh, honey, what's really going on, she would say. So Paul continues. For, for one says, I follow Paul. The other says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere humans? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has make, been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So their church is divided and one way of looking at this is they're literally divided over which nursemaid they like the best. Like who, who, who delivers them their milk the best way in their mind. Um, their community has never matured beyond the nursing phase, right? 
there's literally like people upset because they want their, you know, Paul used to give them the milk, and now Apollos gives them the milk, and Apollos doesn't do as well as Paul, and actually the context here is there's a whole bunch of other people giving them milk too, and they're all dividing over these personalities. One of the beautiful things about the Mission Abbey, I can tell you, like, please hear this, uh, I cannot imagine you being able to divide me now, or me and Ben, or me and Jake. We're we're close. You can try. Satan can try, but in the name of Jesus, you won't make it happen. We're, we're, one. we're one. So your leaders are in a good place. And it, uh, you know, everybody else too. But those three senior guys and, and I, we're close. But they're arguing over nursemaids. Some like Paul, some like Apollos. And this is causing division and tribalism. In other words, there's like the tribe of Paul. The tribe of Apollos. There is no tribe. Just what I just meant a minute ago is there's no tribe of Al. If you're an Al's tribe, you're in Chris's tribe. If you're in Chris's tribe, you're in Al's tribe. There is no tribe of Al because there's only one tribe, which is Jesus's tribe, right? So, but the the answer to this problem is actually true spiritual connection. Paul is saying, "Look, I'm not the source of life." Apollos is not the source of life. Only Jesus is the source of life. The leaders in your midst are only farmhands, but life comes from the source. And I don't know about you, but as I pondered this, I have to admit that alarm bells started going off. Because I don't know how many times I've heard or, or even thought myself or even said things like, I don't know, I just... I connect so much more richly with God when so-and-so leads worship. Or, or, or um, yeah, I really just wish so-and-so would preach every week because I just I connect so much more with God when so-and-so preaches. Right? Now, the reality is that we may relate more to one leader or another. And I don't know that that's necessarily good or fundamentally bad, but I can tell you that as Americans in particular, we can get really off track in our relationship to our leaders. And there's, there's a couple of things, I think, that play into this. One, Americans tend to want heroes. And so if you think about the last 20 years, what we see over and over again in the church across America is that somebody is good or skilled at something, and then they become, I mean, some sort of Christian leader is good or skilled at something, then they become a hero. Somebody writes a book about them or they write a book about themselves. And the vast majority of them, Americans also love to do what to heroes? Tear them down. So the vast majority of them, over the course of time, Almost everybody that when I first came into ministry, when I was first coming out of seminary, all the people that everybody looked to and said they know what they're doing in terms of church planting, in terms of church leading, almost every single one of them has been torn down. Almost everyone. I can think of, I can think of two. Jim Cimbala and Tim Keller haven't been. But almost everyone. Books you've read that are on your shelf and the guru great church leaders, they've all been torn down, most of them. And so... That's the one thing. We want heroes. The other thing Americans seem to like is fast food. 
Um, in other words, we like, we like the least painful, most hassle-free option available. The least painful, most hassle-free option available, right? So now you add these two things together, and our temptation is to look at our pastors as the people with all the answers, the heroes. And if our leaders have all the answers and they are willing to do all the heavy lifting spiritually, all the connecting with, with, with Jesus spiritually, many times we can fall into the pattern of just letting them do that. And so we can, we can settle for the fast food version of the Christian experience where our leaders whip together something and deliver it to us in the most palatable way available, as we drive through the church for an hour each week, and then we call ourselves spiritual. And what that leads to, ultimately, is all sorts of unhealthiness and division. Because our church leaders aren't gurus of special knowledge. Our leaders aren't even the source. That's Jesus. Our leaders aren't even the fiber optic line. That's the Holy Spirit. Our leaders may be like the frustrating IT department that you call. (laughs) You know, the people that you call when your internet isn't working and they don't even speak the same language as you, right? And you think to yourself, I think I know more than the person I just called. And that's because you might if if you actually are spiritual, if you actually are connecting through the Holy Spirit to the mind of Christ, my hope is that you would know more than me. Right? And so maybe you call us when your connection has gotten interrupted or lost, and we can help guide you back to show you how to plug in the wire, uh, plug, unplug the wire and turn off the machine, reboot it, and plug it back in. That's the role of the pastor. Um. So, what is, what is Paul calling us to? Well, he's calling us to maturity. When we are spiritual infants, we depend on others to provide sustenance, and for a time, that's a good thing. But we, when we stay in that place, it becomes a problem. Health and, healthy Christian community is made up of spiritual people, people who communicate through the Holy Spirit directly to the mind of Christ, people with a direct connection to the Lord. And so the questions set before us may be things like, do we have a clear connection to the source? Are we logged in, so to speak? Are we maturing? Do we have a vision of unity rather than tribalism in this church? Do we know the mind of Christ? And are we settling for something less than that? Mission Red Bank's leaders have been talking to you about the fact that as they're connecting with Christ, they're really sensing that God wants to bring this this community to a sort of a, a, a deeper level of connection to the Lord. They've been saying this to you for a couple months. If you've been listening closely, they've been saying it. That's what they think God is doing. There are moments, by the way, when when they've said different things, right? Like, it's time to go out. It's time to Reach your neighbors, and that's always good, except that you're kind of full. And 
God seems to be saying, go deep. So, we may be asking how to do that. In fact, Al told me this week he's gotten several texts. How do I do that? How can, can my roots, how can our roots go deeper and reach down to the true source of life? And friends, um, that's the right question. But I would cheapen the answer by trying to give it to you in the next minute. That's the right question. That's the question that should kind of haunt us, that should reverberate through our brains this week. How do we get connected? How do our roots go deeper to the source of life? And this is the question that your pastors are committed to helping you answer over this next season in in the life of this church. And as you dig, and as you dig, and as you dig, know that I will be praying for you that you might make our joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one in mind. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.